Hello, it's Paul Scott here, small caps commentator and investor and writer of the Small Cap Value Reports on Stockopedia.com for the last 11 years, helped by um, Graham Neary and Roland Head. So this is my fourth attempt at recording today's podcast. It's Saturday, 15th of July. I'm a bit tongue-tied today. Yeah, big tongue-tied and uh, I've got a frog in my throat as well, which always seems to happen when I start recording these. But never mind, we'll just keep and I'll just push on regardless. So Monday, 10th of July, 2023. Uh, we only looked at three companies, I'm afraid, because I was getting a bit stressed and getting ready for a flight to Spain um, on uh, Monday afternoon. And um, yeah, so I prepared something the night before on a company called MS International. The ticket is MSI. This is a diversified um, niche engineering group with four divisions. So I did quite a long post on it, just really introducing the company, explaining what it did mainly. Now it put out MSI, it put out results on the 22nd of June. So do have a look at the small cap value report for 22nd of June but there are three or four really really good detailed reader comments explaining the company better than I did from people who are obviously more familiar with it there's my stuff's as always just um, quick reviews but anyway the short version is that MSI's results I think what year end was it was it April um yeah, here we are, April 2023 results, which came out on 22nd of June. They actually missed um, the numbers because a big defence order was delayed. It got Obviously, they can't recognise the revenue till orders are shipped and there's a delay in shipping it. I think it's they've basically said that it's ready to ship now and it should be shipped imminently. So there could be a bit of a bounce if they are and ask that. But given that it's an, an owner-managed business with management who've been running it for about 40 years... They seem to just sort of do what they like, um, pay themselves far too much and rarely report to the market. So it's one of those companies which we are very much uh, in the back seat with absolutely no input into how the company does things as an outside shareholder. But, you know, sometimes these companies can be absolute gold mines, particularly when the directors are looking re- to retire, which these guys, these guys probably will be quite soon, given that they are... Um, getting on a bit no insult intended it's just a fact isn't it so I've done very well in the past on retirement sales where you've got long-standing owner managers who obviously want to extract the highest price they can for the business so the best thing they could do at MS International is slash their own salaries then you'll get a higher profit and you'll get a higher valuation on the business which is worth far more, more to them um actually than their salaries so I don't think they've it uh, doesn't look like they've realized that yet but maybe they'll do that when they come to sell the business anyway the exciting thing here is the order book huge order book and it's got two products in the defense division in particular which look really exciting a high-tech anti-drone gun that's fully automated and can shoot down gun, uh, drones very effectively very topical and they've also got this large gun for the US Navy, which seems to be on the cusp of winning big orders. So have a look at MS International. It's difficult to analyse, but um, I think that one looks as if it's got considerable potential, so I bought a few myself. Next, I looked at another one I hold personally, only a small position, this one, on the market, OTMP. Now, I'm green on this one as well as being green on MSI. That's just our traffic light system for saying whether we think the company's good. Um, if it's green, what, we, what we're saying is that the company's trading reasonably well, reasonably good outlook, good strong balance sheet and a sensible valuation. That's it, really. So value GARP shares. So on the market.com, why do I like this one? Well, it's got about a quarter of the market cap in net cash. It's got 11 million cash 
its 44 million market cap. Uh, shares have been in a long downtrend, and that's not correlated to how the company's performing. The results for January 2023 were actually quite good. Revenue up 14% to 34 million. Adjusted operating profit up 59% to 4.3 million. Although I do flag that that is based on 4.2 million adjustments. So the it's only really trading around break-even if you disallow the adjustments. But I think half of the adjustments roughly are valid. Like, for example, a one-off Goodwill write-off of 1.5 million. Well, that's fine. Goodwill impairment, you add back. So I think real profit, genuine solid profit, is probably about 2 million a year. And with a quarter of its market cap in cash, I think this is quite a uh, quite interesting risk reward on on the market. Obviously, Right Move is the dominant player, but it's worth hundred times or more than on the market. So, I mean, you know, the amazing upside scenario would be if on the market could actually eat into Right Move's um, dominance and become a serious competitor. But I, you know, that's not likely, is it? But but I think it's doing it's doing okay even just as a niche, low-cost property portal. So I think in a bull market on the market is the type of share that could significantly re-rate upwards. So I think I've got to be patient on that, but I like it. Now, the disappointing stock for Monday was totally TLY. This is the provider of frontline healthcare services contracted to the NHS. Uh, It's really very accident-prone, I think, and it put out results for year-ending March 2023, which were, I think, seemed to be in line, and it dropped in share price by 25% to 12.75p. So I was wondering why, and then thankfully one of our best, uh, most best contributing readers, Wolf of Small Street, who puts out brilliant stuff, he put one of his fantastic macro posts up in Monday's small cap value reports. The readers love those, so thanks for sharing them with us, Wolfie. Much appreciated. He also flagged up that the brokers had slashed the forecasts for Totally by half for year-ending March 2024. So this was actually quite a serious profit warning, which I felt the narrative glossed over from the company. So I'm not impressed at all by Totally. The balance sheet looks stretched. And basically, I don't think we can now rely on anything management says because they contradict themselves and are overly optimistic, and then they slip out a nasty profit warning through a broker update without being clear in the in the uh, in the RNS. So I don't trust management there, and I don't rate them either. So I don't think I'd really be interested in buying Totally shares at, at any price. Fantastic reader comments on Monday, so do take a look at all of those. Lots of shares discussed. Sorry we didn't get round to looking at. Uh, Eco Animal Health, um, Rebecca Aston Girl flagged up that that was ahead of expectations. So I might have a quick look at that this weekend. And Knights, the one of the legal services group, which I think that that whole sector is looking potentially interesting now because it's so cheap and there was a takeover approach for DWF. Uh, Knights group rose 6% on Monday, so I'll try and circle back to that. Um, the other things we didn't look at were mainly just in line, so that doesn't really matter. Right, on to Tuesday's report then. This was, let me see, this was the 11th of July, 2023. Ah, this was the bid for DWF, the legal services business. Now, um, this rose 34% to 88p, and it ended the week at 86.6p. News that it was in talks with a private equity firm, Inflection, about a possible offer 
priced at 97p plus a 3p dividend so 100p now normally i think if it's if you if the potential bidder is named and a price is named you often um it often did, does proceed to a formal offer but we've had a lot of things actually fall through recently so the share price being at a quite a steep discount 86p uh, is, is a good distance off 100p says to me that plenty of people are just are just selling in the market and actually I don't blame them because DWF is very highly geared it's got a lot of debts which is so it's strange that a um, a private equity bidder is circling it I mean it, it looks very profitable and there was an inline update not long ago but Graham and I were just put off a bit by the debt but I think it's interesting that private equity would be looking at um, a, a business that's already highly indebted because I thought they normally load up businesses with, with lots of debt so they prefer things that have net cash you know and property that they can sell and all that sort of thing so um, I'm not quite sure what their angle is on that but anyway there we go H&T the pawnbrokers Graham looked at this he's he's always green on this but I can see why it's cheap um, and there's various details on that and it's on it, mid single digit uh, earnings multiples. So yeah, if you're comfortable with investing in a pawnbroker, we we like HAT. We think it's very good. Now on to Begbie's trainer. Graham looked at the final results here. Now this one, this is the insolvency practitioners, which has done very well actually. It, it, I think Rick Trainer's a class act. The guy who runs this, lots of skin in the game as well. So an owner managed business. He he joked to me once years ago at a meeting I had with him that he was the Begbie's was the last man standing out of the listed uh, accountancy firms at the time most of the others seem to go bust but Begbie's uh, has been very good and um, now I should say the accounting here per- totally perplexes me and the PR firm very kindly Reg at um, MHP who we've got great relationships with he Reg very kindly lined up a, a zoom for myself and Graham with the FD of Begbie's trainer to talk us through this deemed remuneration business and at the time I remember saying after a half hour zoom with him I just don't understand this you know I'm a former FD myself and I still can't get my head around it he said that nobody in the city can get that well <laughs> a lot of people in the city needed to have similar zooms with him to understand what this deemed remun- remuneration business actually is Ah, oh, and I must admit, I've now forgotten what he, most of what he said to me. So I can't, I, I, I just can't fathom the accounts of Begbie's. Um, I'll have to speak to Reg about it. But basically, the story is that it's fine, and you can use the adjusted earnings numbers. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But if you if you do use the adjusted number, then Begbie's looks all right, basically. Clearly, the outlook for corporate insolvencies at the small to mid level, which is what Begbie's specialises in, is going to be looking up, isn't it? Unfortunately, as interest rates rise, you know, zombie companies are going to go under. So the outlook, I would say, for Begbie's is probably better now than it's been for a long time. Um, but you have got this complexity of the accounts, unfortunately. Next, I looked at Eagle Eye. I have a personal holding in this, EYE. I think this is a very interesting company, but it's really expensive. But they put out an ahead of expectations trading update for year-ending June 2023, which you need to have with a company that's priced this eye-wateringly high on an earnings multiple. But anyway, brokers upgrade EBITDA forecast by 6 to 8%. It's on 40 to 50 times forecast EPS. But I think it's a rare beast, a really genuinely structurally growing company that's an, a specialist in um, supermarket and retailer loyalty schemes um, at the more complex level. So it does the 
the quite interesting Asda reward scheme which I use. It's quite it gamifies shopping, so it sets you targets like but you need to spend twenty pounds on fruit and veg this month, and you get a two pound voucher. Doesn't sound that much, but it kind but it works. I I I went last night and bought a load of fruit and veg because I wanted to hit my target. So it, it's it's an interesting. Um, Thing, but I don't think they give you points for your day-to-day shopping. But I'm not that bothered about that because the Tesco club card that I use, the amounts are so trivial for the club card points that it's not worth it. But you do go for the products with the yellow stars on them because they're big discounts. Some of the discounts are real, some of them aren't. Uh, so anyway, I think these these loyalty schemes are getting more interesting, more complicated, more linked to artificial intelligence and Eagle Eye is in a sweet spot on that, and it's not just UK, it's global as well. It's got big clients all over the world. I think it's a very exciting growth stock, actually, but it's way fully priced at the moment, or overpriced. So, But it seems to be solid and holding that level because it keeps putting out good good news. So I'm, I'm, I'm quietly bullish on Eagle Eye, and I'm just going to hold it for years, because I think it'll be one of those things that you just tuck away and forget, and hopefully... You could have a multi-bagger. And that's certainly what management think, because they've given themselves a stretch uh, target um, growth plan, which I talked about last week, I think, that uh, pays out big if they get a really major increase in share price. So they wouldn't have put it there if they didn't think they could achieve that, is my way of looking at it. Oh, a couple of interesting companies that the readers are discussing that I, I would have liked to have looked at, but there wasn't time. Uh, D4T4... Uh, I've I've held that one before, uh, a software business. So thanks to the readers who did some nice detailed analysis of that in the reader comments. I'll try and circle back to that at some point. Uh, readers also mentioning Galliford Try. Apparently there was a positive update. Um, I've I've looked at that a few times before. I'm not really keen on these low margin contracting businesses. So Sandar results came out, which I hold, came out, but I didn't get around to looking at that till Friday, so we'll come on to that. But the readers have discussed it here with some quite interesting comments. Oh, I almost forgot. We had another bid approach on Tuesday. This was from a strange little company called STM. The ticker is also STM. This does um, offshore expat um, uh, pensions called QROPs, which is bit of a strange regulatory area slightly questionable i know i looked into it in quite a lot of detail and met the old management years ago but um the company's performance sort of fizzled out it was quite profitable at one stage about five six years ago anyway it went up 109 percent on tuesday after announcing it's had a bid approach or a potential bid approach and it says uh, and a pension super fund capital has approached it, and uh, amongst a number of parties to have approached aimlisted STM Group about a takeover. That was reading from a new a Sky News article. They always seem to get the the uh, advanced notifications of takeover bids, which were then confirmed the next morning by the company. It says they've uh, uh, reached agreement in principle of a pos- key terms of a possible cash offer of 70 pence per share. Now, the market obviously doesn't have a lot of confidence in that because the share price only went up to 57.5p and finished the week at 47p. So you're either going to clean up if this bid at 70p goes through or, uh, well, the market's currently saying that it's a lot of hot air, isn't it? Now, it's Eddie Truel. There's a name, um, Mellow attendees from years ago will remember this was the man who came to mellow the restaurant in beckenham years ago 
um, and, uh, you know, sort of um, had a very high opinion of himself and, you know, basically said he's very lucky that a group of private investors are going to have access to him at all. And he stood up there and talked about Tungsten, which was this software thing, and the billions and trillions of invoices that it was going to be processing, and it was the best thing since sliced bread, and it was an amazing opportunity for private investors, but he shouldn't really be talking to us for regulatory reasons and all this. It was total BS, absolute BS. Tungsten uh, totally disappointed for many years and eventually skulked off with a, with a, with a bit approach other, if it hadn't had that, it probably would have gone bust. So, to my eyes, Eddie Trawl doesn't have any credibility at all. Based, but that was only based on one situation. So uh, he's obviously a pretty well-known financier. So he must have done some good stuff as well, I guess. But anyway, maybe maybe that's one of the reasons that the market isn't taking the seventy p bid very seriously. I don't know. All people would just rather bank bank their profit. We did actually flag up STM in January twenty three, January twenty twenty three, as a potentially interesting special situation because the market cap at that point in time was almost covered by its own net cash um so uh yeah very interesting so let's see what happens i don't have a view on it as i say um good luck to holders i hope you get your 70p bid or better you know if there are other people sniffing around then who knows um but of course if the bid talks fall through as a lot of bid talks are doing right now then it goes all the way back down again doesn't it so i can see why people would would sell in the market or if they can because it's very illiquid or um but that's the nice thing about being a private investor you can sell in the market whereas if you're one of the institutional holders you're probably high and dry uh, if the bidder isn't actively buying in the market which is what um happened with BOTB you you got a liquidity event with that before the bid went through because the um the bidder for that one, um, Teddy Sackey's outfit, were actively buying in the market. So that's why I sold in the market with BOTB, because I didn't want the deal risk, and I'll happily give away the last 2 or 3% in order to put the money into something else, because there's an opportunity cost, isn't there, of holding for the bid to actually go through. So anyway, good luck to STM holders. Looks like you've got a nice um, exit from that. Even if the bid doesn't go through, you can sell in the market. Right, on to Wednesday the 12th of July, small cap value report. Uh, I was sort of getting into my stride a bit better in Spain. In the blistering heat, it was about 35 degrees out there, um, but we rigged up a fan and some air con for me to use. I stayed with a friend who was very hospitable, had a lovely time out there. It was a really nice break, and we did uh, exploring in the afternoon and even had a dip in the sea. So it was uh, very impressive, actually. Mallorca, I've not been there before, but Palma, the capital, uh, is really, really nice. Quite um, reminded me a lot of Valletta, actually, in Malta. Really nice architecture, lovely town squares, and a lot of reasonably priced places to eat and drink. So, yeah, thumbs up for Mallorca. And thank you again to my lovely friend who uh, was extremely hospitable. So, I really appreciated it. Okay, on to Wednesday's report. RBGP, this is the troubled legal services business that's had all sorts of problems. Now, the good news is they've disposed of the Lionfish Division, which was this ill-fated foray into litigation finance, which hasn't worked and... Uh, you know, it was a mistake, obviously, poorly executed. So they're trying to exit from that. Well, they've managed to get rid of it um, below book value, but I think that draws a line under under a problem area. And our shares bounced 16% uh, 
Um, but I have a feeling they slip back again on Friday. Let's just quickly look that up. RBGP. Um, yeah, it slipped back to 27 and a quarter P. So it doesn't look like um, it's going to hold that level. Forward PE of 3.4 and a 17% dividend yield. Stockopedia forecasters saying, well, sorry, they're not Stockopedia forecasters. They're broker consensus. Well, clearly... Um, that dividend's not going to be paid, is it? That's going to be pulled, I would, I would suggest. So we need to ignore... When you, when you get figures that ridiculously cheap, you know that something's wrong, you know something's changed, and the figures are not right. So, um, so it could well be that the broker forecasts have just been put on hold until the company announces. So I'm not sure about RBG Holdings. I think it's ris- risky because I had a look at the previous accounts and it's got too much bank debt. And... Um, internal problems so i i'm i'm rated well viewing it amber stroke red uh in other words i don't really know how to value it but i'm worried about the the bank debt posing a risk so i don't know it could it's one of those ones that could bounce really really strongly if they come out and say that everything's okay and they've got the debt down so I, we just don't know we'll just have to wait and see okay hostile world did i mention that no i didn't graham looked at this this is a trading update graham's amber on it uh looks to be improving and they've they've made uh a, they've restructured the debt positively as well so we did have concerns about that less so now now shoe zone was the one i focused on mainly along with reynold shoe zone obviously is the um cheap chinese shoes retailer in in uh, large shed type stores and some smaller stores as well that it's trying to close owner managed by um the smith brothers i think who own about half the company usual thing they don't really uh, bother with communicating with, with outside shareholders other than you know through the rns not interested in engaging we we always get this from family companies it is a bit annoying that they choose to become a listed company but then still behave like a private company but i can forgive them usually because they tend to the shares tend to do very well and they tend to be conservatively financed so if you can accept that you're just you know in the back seat with the and the, and the drivers put the division up so you can't even speak to them <laughs> but hopefully he's taking you somewhere nice so anyway shoe zone trading update was ahead of expectations very good, very good trading update superb i've said here uh, 29% increase in broker forecasts. A bit of a strange one, this one, because the broker forecasts seemed peculiarly over-conservative. And that's why I went a bit wobbly on this share a few months ago, thinking, well, actually, it's fully priced if the earnings are going to drop this year. It now transpires off a couple of upgrades that profits are actually going to increase. So I think we were, I hate to use the word misled, but... Uh, you know, it does make you wonder, do they really know how their business is likely to perform doesn't seem to me like they've got much visibility uh, but look it's a nice problem to have because they were conservative with the forecast and now they're trading way ahead of them and also when you've got kind of 60 percent odd gross margins but mostly fixed costs as shoe zone does then it is highly geared to changes in demand the interesting thing about it though is that they said they haven't put their prices up <coughs> and as a result the selling prices and as a result volumes that customers are buying are strongly up now that's really interesting isn't it and it's as i would expect really companies that continue to offer good value for money to customers see uh, a, a big uplift in in um, volumes 
And, of course, they're still making very good margins because the freight costs are coming down, pound is strengthening. So a lot of these retailers could actually start to surprise on the upside, I think, despite all the doom and gloom in the press, for those reasons. They've got some quite nice tailwinds now in terms of uh, input costs. But the, uh, the reason I've only marked Shoe Zone Amber is because I mentioned in previous podcasts I've been playing around with this Chinese website called Timu, T-E-M-U. And I thought, oh, I wonder if they do shoes. Well, they do. And they do lots of them for children, and they're really cheap. And that is children's shoes is a big area for shoe zone. So I think you could start to see a leakage of sales away from shoe zone. May not be particularly significant to begin with, but over the years I think they could start to find they're coming up against a lot of Chinese competition who are selling direct to UK customers. Because apparently if it's under £135, an individual package, it doesn't get any um, <coughs> you know, import duties on it. Well, that could that could seriously undermine shoe zones margins longer term. So I'm worried about the competitive threat. Now, um, <clears throat> I still like the company. I'm just, as I'm saying, you know, rolling forward a few years, it may not be quite so easy to make those big margins if you've got direct competition from Chinese factories selling to the end consumer here. ME International, formerly Photo Me, the ticket is MEGP. We really like this one. It's one of my favourite shares for this year. It was on my stock picks uh, at the start of the year, as was Shoe Zone. Uh, now, Graham looked at the interim results for Me Group. Um, uh, expectations are unchanged. We really like this business. It's very, very good. And it's not just the photo booth, the laundry, uh, the, 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 the laundry machines that have sort of been put in car parks and things, apparently, for washing duvets and stuff like that. They're doing very well, and that's now a major contributor to profit as well. So it is diversifying. Um, it doesn't really have a lot of competition, so it's got good pricing power, and there's high demand. So we're, we're both still very positive about Me Group, even though the shares... I think have doubled here today. I think, or, or in the last year, I think I think they're still good value, assuming nothing goes wrong, of course. And finally, I looked at Reynold R N O, where I declare a personal holding. Um, results for March twenty twenty three were really good, uh, but the shares dropped four percent. Don't know why, <clears throat> but uh, it had had a run up in the couple of days before. So obviously, the good news leaked. Um, but then um, when the insider traders, <laughs> whoever they are, um, didn't see it increase any further, they obviously uh, uh, presumably sold. I'm guessing there, but that's what it looks like. With a lot of these things, some one of the readers flagged up that Zoo Digital dropped 7% before its nasty profit warning the day before. You know, that you can see very clear evidence of insider dealing going on in the market. I'm not including ma- accusing management of that, just somebody in the informational trail who's got advanced news does seem to trade ahead of, even if it's only a nudge and a wink, you know, oh, you know, you don't want to be holding those over a pint in the pub. You know, there's definitely informational leakage, I think, with small caps ahead of results. But anyway, that's for the regulators to to look into, not not me. <clears throat> so, Reynolds, yeah, really good results. I'm very happy with these. And broker have, brokers have upgraded estimates for March 2024. It's fallen on completely deaf ears. The forward PE is only about four and a half on Reynolds, but there is a reason for that. The pension deficit is big and is hungry for cash, so that means it can't pay dividends. Well, it could, actually. It's now got to a point where the, where the EBITDA is substantially more than the um, 
dividend payments, but it has ongoing capex requirements as well. But it's on the front foot making acquisitions now. The banks have increased its facility, or rather a fourth bank got involved with the syndicate. So it's got a, a, a plenty of powder that it could use for acquisitions, but I don't want to see it over gear like it did in the past. Anyway, I think Reynolds far too cheap, um, 29p a share. I personally, I don't think I'd want to be interested in selling below about 50, 50 to 60p. I just think it's the wrong price. So um, I'm happy to hold on that um, for Reynolds. Could be a takeover bid target as well, because um, despite the pension deficit, I think that one's just a very nice slow burner. I'm really happy with progress. At some point, the share price will catch up with the tremendous progress that that management has made there over the years. It's been a very good turnaround, and it's a high-quality business. Way too cheap, I think, Reynolds. But don't expect fireworks. You know, it just stays cheap forever. (laughs) Although it has been quite resilient in the last year in this bear market. It's held its ground because it keeps putting out positive positive news flow. So, yeah, I like Reynolds. When cash is available, I'll probably top up my holding there. Lots of reader comments on Wednesday as well, seeming to focus mainly on macro things like the very good news on uh, drastically reduced American inflation. Now, a snazzy time had a, a good old moan here about the tags in my, um, the articles disappearing, which they often do around lunchtime. It is annoying, I know. But um, the, the, just to say that the, 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 the team at head office have investigated this several times, but they can't find the software bug, unfortunately. They haven't been able to replicate it. So maybe I'll have another nag at them and see if we can... Um, see if we can... It might be something to do with the way me and Graham update the articles frequently. At some point, the tags seem to vanish. But rest assured, as part of my weekend routine now, I check each article and I put all the tags back in if they've dropped out. So... Um, I'm, I'm doing that methodically now every weekend on my I'm, I'm flagging it on my <clears throat> on my spreadsheet. So I've been doing that for a month now. So you'll find that the, the tags, um, you know, don't lose too much sleep over it. There's more important things to worry about, but they are being put back in. So um, that is being addressed. And yes, it is a nuisance, but it's not a big deal in the overall scheme of things. Oh, we also had some reader discussion about Timu, the Chinese e-commerce website, and some people saying um, they find the Chinese shoes too narrow, they prefer wider fit shoes, um, and that was from Rusty Two. And then Tommy H says Mizuno are also good for trainers. Now, incidentally, I've done two more mystery shops with Timu myself, and I did get some shoes through from from them, which are very, very lightweight, extremely lightweight. Um, they look like trainers, but they've actually got a very incredibly uh, lightweight plastic sole. And then a kind of ventilated fabric with whole, small holes in it, upper body. And they're really comfortable, but I don't think they're going to last five minutes. They were about 10 or £11. Pounds. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll update readers in a few months' time whether my Timu trainers are uh, have been put into landfill or not. <laughs> Oh, several other readers also point out that the quality of the products on Timu is absolutely terrible. And I have to agree, actually. I've done three hauls with Timu. Two of them arrived and there's another one due. And I, I typically, two-thirds of the product I'm disappointed with because it's so, I mean, you know, just really terrible quality. Market is stuff that you get at the market stall or worse. Um, but you get what you pay for, don't you? If you buy a pair, pair of scissors for 99p, which I did... You know, they really genuinely look like they're going to 
cut paper about five or six times and then then the rivet will snap you know you can see that they're just built to 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 break almost instantly so it never pays to buy the cheapest of everything really does it you know it's always worth to pay for quality and you will not get quality on timu apart from the lenovo headphones put earpods for eight pounds which are amazing so i've ordered loads more of those to give to basically all my friends so um uh and you do get a few other items that are very good on timu but most of it is junk so It'll be interesting to see how that, uh, what sort of competition that does provide to Amazon and other retailers. I mean, they're cutting out the middleman, aren't they? A lot of the vendors on Amazon, on other websites, are just buying gear from China. So Timu and Shein sending it direct into the UK is going to, you know, you know um, disintermediates those retailers, doesn't it, really? So I think this could, could still be a very major threat. The upside could be if the British government says, well, actually, we're going to start putting import duty on everything under 20, over 20 quid or over £10. And then all of a sudden that would cause a lot of problems, wouldn't it? I don't know. But keep, just, just keep an eye. I think we should all keep an eye on this as, you know, any business business that's just buying cheap gear from China and selling it in the UK. I mean, UPGS, UP Global Sourcing um, springs to mind. Any of those businesses could be um, could be under threat. Although that UPGS does own some brands which are quite nice and well known, but you know they can make nice margins. But if 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 the Chinese decide to start selling small items direct, could be um, could be a big problem for them. Right on to thirteenth of July, which is a Thursday. Now Graham looked at Trustpilot. TRST. He likes that one, but I don't. I do. It's very rare for us to disagree on particular shares but we did have a little whatsapp discussion on it i said no i'm not convinced personally but graham likes it um anyway the trading update was good ahead of expectations revenue growth of 18 percent uh so yeah the shares rose 15 percent so trust pilot um the market seemed to like it what did i look at oh aptitude software aptd i hate these tickers that are all letters that sound the same because you jumble them up in your head don't you anyway aptitude software down 14 percent now the trading update was in line but it had quite a few wobbly sounding outlook comments and the ceo has stepped down with immediate effect i th- I've, I've written here on my summary, summary spreadsheet i think it's a stale growth story and as such, the the PE of 20 or slightly above just looks too high. Um, but it's talking up the prospects for a new product. So if that happens, maybe it'll it'll grow uh, back into the valuation. But I can't see any reason to get involved there with Aptitude Software. Uh, what did I look at as well? Oh, Avingtrans, AVG. I've gone green on this. I think this one's very good. It's a share I've followed for donkey's years. I remember meeting the management at a function. Oh, crumbs, that must have been seven eight years ago or something uh and they're very good they sort of they they buy businesses turn them around and then sell them on uh they've got a very good track record of creating shareholder value actually and anyway the shares rose four percent to four pound 25 uh trading update was in line that's for financial year may 2023 sorry you can probably hear the kettle just boiling in the background i'm ready for another cuppa uh, good order book and confident outlook. I like this. It's not a bargain, having trends isn't, but I think the quality of management and the track record does justify the valuation. I think it's a P of about 17, so not not really excessive. 
Um, oh, and there was a small acquisition or is looking to acquire the rest of a company that it already owns 18% of. It's a small uh, specialist digital imaging company, which sounds potentially interesting, but quite small amounts of money, only £3 million deal size, so not really material to a group that's valued at £137 million. But maybe some upside potential there, but they're shrewd buyers, I think trends are. Finally, for Thursday, Graham looked at Jarvis Securities, interim results, and he quite likes that one. Just looking through the comments here, thanks to Jono, who adds a bit more colour on the small acquisition that having trans are trying to get through. He seems to think, excuse me, he seems to think it's uh, a very interesting company with interesting products. So thanks for that, Jono. Oh, I should add as well, we were honoured to have Robbie Burns pop into the comments section. Uh, He's obviously well known as the Naked Trader. Um, Very interesting guy. And um, he uh, was interviewed by Megan, I believe. I I couldn't, couldn't actually attend that myself. So I want to, I think there's a recording of it. So have a look at that. That should be interesting. A Q&A session, more on trading rather than uh, investing, I think. But um, I don't know, at the moment, we're probably all traders, aren't we? Because uh, long-term buy and hold isn't, isn't working terribly well. Right, on to the last report of the week, Friday 14th of July. Graham kindly offered to help me out on this day because I think we were both feeling guilty about the long backlog list of items that we wanted to cover, interesting companies, but we just got a bit overwhelmed by the volume and obviously I wasn't particularly productive as I was sweltering in the heat in Spain for most of the week. So sorry for that. I normally try and balance up work and short breaks, but... um, the, uh, there is this massive heat wave going on at the moment, isn't there, in southern Europe that's uh, in the papers. And, um, yes, yeah, so what do we look at on Friday? Zoo Digital now, uh, you know, commiserations to holders of this one. It was down 37% um, to only 66p, so it's lost, what what's that, two-thirds of its value recently. It was, unfortunately, it was one of these ones where it was actually a big profit warning and brokers put absolutely slashed earnings forecasts, but it was all rather disguised, I thought, in a, a trading update that struck me as vague, uh, but I began to realise later on that it was actually rather deceptive, I think. Um, it doesn't impress when companies do this. I don't know what they're trying to achieve because everyone's going to find out that it's a big profit warning. Sooner or later, maybe the next day, people will see uh, the broker consensus plunge. But it's giving an unfair advantage to the institutions who get the broker notes direct um, from the brokers. Although I have to say Singer's are are brilliant. They put out their note um, uh, at a reasonable time on Research Tree. So actually, we did get to see that... um, reasonably early in the morning anyway the accounts are delayed by a month at zoo Zoo digital this is the thing that does uh, localization for video and television and films so it's um providing dubbing and 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 subtitling type services now the big problem with that is of course that everyone's worried ai ai will be able to take this over i mean the voice sorry the text to voice software is now so good I personally don't believe there's going to be much of a niche left for dubbing studios in the future. And I think a lot of people have come to the same conclusion, which is why the shares are plunging. You've also got um, sector problems over 
the Hollywood writers' strike, which has now, I believe, moved on, got worse, and it's in its third month. I think the actors are joining in as well. That's causing the TV companies to stall a lot of new and films uh, to stall a lot of production. And, of course, there's also the problem with the streaming services now having passed their peak. They're now cutting back on their profligate expenditure. So the, the, the tide has very obviously turned down, uh, at least in the short term. We don't know what's going to happen longer term for TV and film uh, related companies. So, And Zoo says, basically, it's... Um, it's seen a downturn, but it, it, as, as I say, it, it didn't explain that clearly in what I thought was a pretty awful um, trading update, the way it was written. So they need to be more straightforward and more honest in future. But I think it's too late for a lot of investors. The bulletin boards are showing that people don't just don't trust them anymore because they did a placing previously when um, people are, uh, are, are speculating that they must have known or might have known that the the outlook was turning down, so they raised some cash. So at least they've got cash in the bank, but for me, I wouldn't be interested in Zoo Digital, and bad luck to holders. So Graham looked at Lion Trust, asset management. Now, he's um, he says, you know, he thinks this thing looks cheap, but the market says he's wrong because it keeps getting cheaper. So Graham mulls the bull and bear points on Lion Trust asset management. What's the next one? Oh, Graham also looked at Johnson Service. This is the textile a uh, higher thing, mainly for the hospitality sector. Now, I looked at McBride. Here's an interesting one. We've previously been read on McBride because it's up to its neck in debt. But an interesting thing is that the bank have been extraordinarily lenient with it, waiving covenants and giving it time to sort itself out. And actually, the the news has becoming is becoming more positive on McBride and has been. We've mentioned twice previously uh, earlier this year that actually the news flow wasn't getting any worse and was starting to improve. Um, so anyway, the latest update from McBride, which makes um, household uh, personal care and, and cleaning products for the supermarket's own brand. So wafer-thin margins. Whenever they, they All the time in the years I've followed McBride, they're always restructuring, always trying to increase margins, and then they get clobbered by some external event, like all the input cost inflation that we've had re- previously. Take some time to pass that on to the supermarkets, who obviously resist it. So from the supermarkets' point of view, they don't want these companies to make any more profit margin than the supermarkets themselves make, which is you know low single digits at best. So I don't think you've got a, a, a good business model here at all. Um, you know, there's any number of competitive factories making the same sorts of things. Even if McBride are brilliant at what they do, they probably won't get much beyond a 1% or 2% profit margin. I think they peaked at maybe 4 or 5% in the past, but then it gets it gets eroded again by the, by the customers who just move business elsewhere and then demand discounts and all the rest of it. Horrible, horrible business supplying supermarkets. And when you're up to your neck in £165 million of debt, it's a big problem. And the interest costs I've worked out are going to more than consume all the operating profit. So, But I can see why the shares had a sort of relief bounce, up 20% to 31p. That's a 54 million market um, market cap. We had some wildly over-optimistic over comments from one of our regulars in the comments section, forecasting uh, you know ridiculous numbers um, that it won't get anywhere near, in my view. But anyway, look, it takes various views to make a market, doesn't it? The interesting angle on it is, of course, if the profit really does start to properly move up, where it can not just service the interest payments on the debt, but actually start reducing it 
decently and sustainably, then all the benefit of that could flow to equity. So there's one of those geared positions where it looks like the gearing, taking it down to zero, (laughs) probably isn't going to happen now. So you could have the geared effect uh, on the upside. Maybe, I don't know, but... It's one really for gamblers more than uh, more than long term investors, I think. Now uh, Graham looked at Jim Group. He doesn't like it. He stayed red on that. Um, still performing below the pandemic. I don't like it either. It's got too much debt. I don't think there's much money in these low cost gym rollouts. Um, so Sandar, one of my favourites. I looked at that on Friday. A few days late. Sorry about that. Um, results as expected for March 2023. Uh, Q1. Now, the Outlook comment said, oh, we're trading well, but then it said revenue was only up 10% in Q1, which I thought, well, that doesn't really particularly impress at all, given that it's meant to, the forecasts are that it's going to do 36% growth this year. But management explained on a webinar that I listened to last night that they got all these growth initiatives in the pipeline, like launching in Sainsbury's, uh, the larger stores, and Sainsbury's online. I checked last night, and it's actually on Argos. Not on Sainsbury's. I know Argos is part of Sainsbury's, but um, I was quite surprised at that. Uh, they're doing well with the other with the other partnerships of Next and Marks and Spencer and so on. But it's the international growth that's really interesting. And the launching with Global E. Now, I tried it out last night. The way it works is you just go to sasandar.com and basically you've now got payment and shipping options globally. That's the way it works. Um, and I, I put into the website that I was trying to buy a frock and I, and I told them I was in Indonesia. And it then changed the currency to the Indonesian currency um, and, you know, gave me shipping options to Indonesia. So this makes it global in terms of and all, all those logistics are handled, everything, by Global E. Now, the only question I've got is how are they going to tell people abroad that you can shop at sasandar.com? It's going to need marketing spend, isn't it? Um, so that's the missing link that I need to find out and ask management, management about. It's all very well having global uh, logistics, but if the clients in, in Indonesia don't know who you are and don't know where your website is, um, you're not going to sell anything, are you? So I don't know what that... I'm sure that I'm sure they've considered this. I'm sure they've got good plans, but I'd like to know what they are. So I think short-term there could be some risk if the international doesn't trigger growth as we expect they did talk about other international partners though so maybe that is something to do with the marketing side of things there's lots going on behind the scenes at uh Sassandar, which they explain well they explain in the rns so it's not really behind the scenes and they explain it in their webinar that i think gives good reasons to expect growth to accelerate in h2 but there's a there's a short-term risk it could disappoint some people so i'm not i'm not going to chase the share price up in the short term but i'll certainly be adding more um if it drops back any further from 23p it's only 57 million market cap it's profitable now 1.6 million um that wasn't a one-off that is uh, it makes a very good margin 56 percent which is blended retail and wholesale um, it's got tons of cash, ten over ten million net cash in the bank. Clearly, you know that's ample, and it's building up inventories quite strongly for the rapid growth as well. Lots of positives. Management are talking about look, you know, we want to make this into the one of the biggest brands in the world. They're not short on ambition, and so far, six years after launching this as a startup, they've achieved what they set out to achieve. So, I think Sasandar is for people with a longer term perspective. I think Sasandar 
Probably risk-reward now is better than it's ever been, actually, because the share price is quite depressed. There has been a lot more share issuance over the years than originally planned. But 57 million quid market cap for a business that's profitable, got plenty of cash in the bank, about almost 20% of the market cap is net cash. Very strong balance sheet overall. Um, They could pay off all the creditors uh, from their existing cash balance and still have a couple of million left. So ample liquidity, ample cash there, no borrowings. They're getting trade credit insurance now, so that's good. So the trade creditors can take up some of the slack. Uh, Lots of positives. I think in a bull market, this would be double the current price. And um, I think we'll get there over the next two or three years, hopefully more. So, yeah, very bullish on Sasandar, and it's much lower risk than it was in the past. Finally, I looked at loungers, the best-in-class operator of um, cafe bars. Uh, profits down a lot because of the withdrawal of, of the boost last year they had from government support. Fairly outbeat a fairly upbeat outlook, but it's such a tough sector. I mean, why get involved, really? Uh, with hospitality, I do ask myself that sometimes because I'm in XP Factory and RBG or Revolution Bars, as you know. I did trim back my Revolution Bars a bit because I just I've been belly aching about my exposure to it numerous times in these podcasts. So I thought just 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 top slice it a bit, Paul, to to, to lower the risk, which I've done. Still holding uh, XP Factory. I think I trimmed about ten percent of them as well, just to um, just to lower my exposure to the sector because they're still. Uh, you know, uh, and we're getting long gaps between trading updates. I think these companies, particularly in problematic sectors, need to update uh, shareholders every maybe every six weeks or eight weeks. You know, we want to know how the businesses are performing. Leaving it great long gaps just um, unnerves everyone. So, but anyway, loungers, I think it's worth a look if you're if you're brave enough to invest in hospitality. Horrible sector. Probably over over the next few years, they probably. The sector is likely to rebuild its margins gradually. Um, so there is, a, there is a bull case for it. Right, I think that's enough. OK, thanks very much for listening, for all your excellent comments. Again, we're getting... The, the small cap value reports are worth reading just for the reader comments. We're getting some fantastic stuff in there, so thank you. And sorry we, we missed quite a few things this week. I've got a list of about a dozen shares I wish I had had time to cover, but never mind. All right, then, I'll leave it there, and I'll record part two a bit later or maybe tomorrow. OK, thanks, and bye for now. Bye.